원어투 빌보 Welcome back to another episode of the Fatal Conceits podcast, dear listener. It's a show about money, markets, mobs, and manias. Not necessarily, and not always in that order. If you haven't already done so, please head over to our Substack page. You can find us at bonnerprivateresearch.substack.com. And there you'll find hundreds of articles on everything from high finance to lowly politics, plenty of research reports, and of course, more conversations like this under the Fatal Conceits podcast tab at the top of the page. It's my pleasure today to welcome, in person actually, down here in Argentina's capital of Buenos Aires, uh, a good friend of mine, a serial entrepreneur, renowned investor, uh, an author, a podcaster, a communicator, a man who wears many hats, uh, Mr. Federico Tesore. Welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Nice to be here. <laughs> I thought we might start out uh, just for listeners who maybe are unfamiliar with your work in the English-speaking world, uh, how it was that you got started in investment research, in opening up these businesses in multiple jurisdictions, multiple countries, as we were just speaking about off-camera, yeah. and how you got to know Bill Bonner in the first place. Yeah, well, it's a long story, but uh, I will try to do it uh, short and, and, and fun. Um, well, when I was a kid, my father was a businessman here in Argentina, and he was a, a very risky businessman, and his businesses go went da- up and down very, very quickly. So I grew in a very unstable financially um, home, you know, so... At sometimes we have two houses and we go on vacations to Punta del Este that, you know, that's a very nice place here. And some other years we didn't have vacations and we only have one house and one and one car. So a lot of volatility in my in my early life. So from when I uh, finished school, I decided to study economics and, and business and 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 started to 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 work in investments in a in a local brokerage firm um, then i used to work uh, at the citibank uh, mm-hmm. the local branch of citibank when the uh, crisis of 2002 came here in argentina that was uh, totally crazy uh, people wanted to people lost all their savings you know suddenly People have money in their banks, and suddenly that that money was disappeared, you know, yeah. or, or didn't have value. So I was there working at, at the at the local bank, and it was a, a terrible terrible experience. But at the same time, um, I discovered that there were a lot of people here in Argentina that they were very successful in their businesses, and they they knew how to make money, but they didn't know anything about investments, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the banks in general, with all the research that they produce, it was like very difficult, very technical. So a lawyer or a small business businessman, it, it was impossible to understand. So. In 2002, I decided to leave the bank because suddenly the Citibank decided to close their sector that helped Argentinians to invest in abroad. I was, I think I was 25, 26, and there I rent an office in Plaza San Martin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in yep. downtown Buenos Aires. Used to be a very nice uh, area. And I decided to help my former customers of Citibank to invest their money uh, abroad, now in the US and Europe mainly. Right. And I launched in 2002 uh, a newsletter by email 
the email was very new at, 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 right. at that stage, 2002. It was not very, it had, didn't have a lot of years. That it was called uh, Global Investor, no? Inversor Global in Spanish. Uh, as a marketing tool to try to, 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 to have more customers and, and, and give a, a better service. And in 2004, I, I decided to, to leave that business because I, I, I thought that I didn't have a, a very good competitive edge uh, in comparison with banks that were returning the country after the crisis. And I decided to create a magazine, like a print magazine with real paper at that, at that moment uh, that was, was sold in the, in the kioscos, I don't know how to mm -hmm. say, in the, in the streets. These agencies, yeah. Yeah. So with a traditional model of advertising, uh, um, originally the, the model was advertising. That was 2004 that I launched the, the, the magazine, with the, always with the same mission, try, try to help first Argentinians to manage their money in, a, in an efficient way. Mm -hmm. I think that in, to, to try to live in Argentina and being successful is very important to know how to manage your money, right. you know? <laughs> maybe if you live in the US or in Europe, maybe you can, you can have a chance without being so good at managing your money. But here it's like life, life or death. So started, the, the magazine st started to grow. We started to make uh, courses like uh, education all over the country. But the, the business was average. It was not a good business. And in 2008, uh, Will Bonner, um, Bill's son, started to live here in, in Buenos Aires for a couple of years, I think. And he discovered my magazine in the newsstands, you know? And he called me, hey, hello, how are you? I have, my, I have a company in the US that makes more or less the same. Um, what do you think if we talk and eventually we try to do business? I remember that, that Will told me that they, they have been trying to make business here in Argentina for a while, and it was very difficult for us, for them, sorry. So he thought that it was a good idea to think about a partnership between uh, the two of us. It was before the crisis of 2008. So then the crisis of 2008, the global crisis came, and our, our plans to try to partner well, go, go away. <laughs> but I remember that I visited Baltimore in 2009, I think, that, that Bill invited me. And I discovered, and I started to discover what Agora was. At the, at the, at the moment, I didn't, I didn't understand very well the difference between a, a, a traditional publishing company and a publishing company as Agora, you know? And I started to understand the, the model that, that Bill created, and I was uh, totally uh, surprised. At the moment, there was nothing like Agora in Latin America. I was the only one that, that was trying to do something similar. Uh, so I, I learned a, a lot about uh, the business with Bill and all the stuff. And finally, in 2012, we, we reached an agreement. I had partners in the past, so it was like a mess to try to figure out all the, 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 the ideas. In 2012, we started to work together with Agora, one with Bill, and the, with the main goal of not only um, uh, make the company grow in Argentina, but also in all the Spanish-speaking world that is huge, you know, Spain yeah. and all Latin America. So then I moved to Miami uh, to try to be near uh, Delroy Beach, uh, that where Agora has a, a big office at that moment. And I started to learn the, the, the business and we started to grow. I mean, we, we, we used to have be, be, before the pandemic and, and now that most of the work is online, but before the pandemic, we used to have offices in Miami, in Madrid in Ch and in Chile. Now we have our, our main office in, in Buenos Aires here. Mm -hmm. And we have people working all over, all over the continent, but we have 
more than 150,000 customers all over the Spanish-speaking world. Um, and the, 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 the business is growing uh, fast. I think that Latin Americans are having the necessity more and more of uh, understanding how to manage their money. Right. And all the internet and the globalization gave Latin Americans more tools to try to, to, to invest their money in a more professional way. So that's more or less a, a quick uh, uh, story of how we started and, 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 and I knew Bill. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting too, because uh, you know, it's not like you began these businesses in say Singapore or Hong Kong or some jurisdiction in the United States that was very, you know, very business friendly. I mean, Argentina, if it's known for anything uh, on the business front or the economic or the po political front is uncertainty, huge inflation. We were speaking about uh, just before. Um, I'm wondering how you view people in the West now, or let's say in the United States and in Europe who are just beginning their journey down the inflationary road. You know, they still have uh, high single digit inflation in the US. It's etching up into double digits in some places in Europe, but yeah. it's nothing like what we see here in Argentina, which is, I think Crazy. we might expect maybe 100% inflation by the, by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, before we get into all that, I wanna just put your book up here. This is essentially, how Argentina got to where we are right now, Absolutely. Uh, facing yeah. you know political uncertainty, civil unrest potentially, uh, maybe some opportunities. But uh, you were explaining it to me just before Argentine power, how the 70-year journey uh, basically took Argentina from one of the richest countries in the world Absolutely. to where we are now. Do you want to kind of fill us in a little background there? Yeah. What I tried to do in that book is to try to analyze why Argentina in 1950 was one of the most um, powerful countries in the world or, or one of the most uh, economic uh, powers in the world. There are different statistics, but there are some statistics that show that Argentina was even more, uh, how do you say, richer than, than the U.S. in, I think it's 1947, 1948. There are some other statistics that they say that no, but it was number three or number four, but it was top five for a for a while, and it, and it was top 10 for more than 15 years. And what I tried to do is try to uh, pick some countries that in 1950 were poorer than Argentina. I compare Argentina with Chile, that it's a country that is here in the neighborhood, but also with uh, Norway, Ireland, and, and Germany that were in 1950 poorer than Argentina, China, um, South Korea, um, and I started to analyze how those countries started to, to, to grow and how Argentina started to go up, uh, down, sorry. So each country has their own uh, rules or their, their own particular facts. But in, in, in general, I think that the main difference is if the, if the, if the country is um, organized in a manner that uh, they want to produce uh, uh, services and goods or not. In 1950, Argentina was rich, and the main main problem was that they say that only 20% of the people were rich and 80% of the people were poor. So they started to try to share all the wealth with all the people. But this uh, automatically meant that it was impossible to have a company because taxes go up, regulations go up. It was like a socialist uh, economy. Now we are in a socialist economy in Argentina. We can't, if, if, if you have money in the bank, you can't send that money to another country. 
you you can't do whatever the, the the level of freedom that we have in Argentina. If you if you if you are in the in the formal system, is very low in comparison with the U.S. or with 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 other countries. So being being having a company in Argentina and trying to like export, for example, if you if you sell soy in Argentina, that's one of our main uh, products. You have to pay uh, taxes because you export only for the export. That's crazy, you know. So there are so many restrictions, so many taxes and there are a lot of people that live very well without working and without producing anything that makes sense you know we have i think that we have six million people that work in argentina for a real for a real job but we have 14 million people that uh, live without working you know between planets i know the, the word for for that it's I guess welfare or welfare yeah uh, public uh, labor you know you go to a, a a public office and you're full of people doing nothing you know mm -hmm. so and there are some some provinces some states here in argentina that 50% or 60% of the employment is from the, from the government, from the local government. Mm -hmm. So the country on the economy is not uh, willing to produce more and, and, and better. The only idea is that this world is a zero-sum game. If, some, if you have money, the only way of having me money is... I took it from you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's the only possibility. So yeah. when, when that's the mindset, you know, mm -hmm. I think that that's the main problem in Argentina and, and and in many countries now, but we are the best ones, I think. In that, in that, <laughs> it's, <laughs> in a, it's a dubious <laughs> honor to be sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, it's a battle, you know. Everything is a battle because I don't have money because you have money, right. and I don't have money because you are going to Miami, and when you go to Miami, you go to expensive restaurants and you buy an iPhone. So that's why I can't uh, send my kids to the school. Or that's why I I, I don't have uh, I can't eat, you know. Right. So so uh, I think that's the main problem that we have in Argentina, and we can't go out. Uh, yeah, Peron, that was the founder of this system, was so good at persuading people that this was true, that that until now, 70 years afterwards, we can't go out of that trap. You know? Yeah, it seems very much like an ideological uh, 100%. mindset. Yeah. Uh, how does it make you feel when you see... For example, usually around election times uh, in the United States, for example, where a, a good deal of our readers and listeners are from, they they espouse some of the exact same ideas, for example, that have brought Argentina from here down to here. This idea of, uh, you know, that the world is a zero-sum game, a very, yeah. very rooted very much in Marxist mentality, Absolutely. that there's a power hierarchy and the only way that you're getting things is because you've deprived me of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, hugely progressive uh Tax rates, uh, eat the rich, that whole kinds of thing. You must just be extremely frustrated when you see that it, it hasn't worked here. And absolutely, no, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible that they don't see the experiences of, of countries like Argentina and many other countries in the world that try tried the same path, and they and they didn't. They, the problem is that you want to solve a problem, and when you try to solve the problem, you destroy the things that are okay. You know, so. Uh, it doesn't make sense. On the other hand, I understand that social media and all these, uh, there are a lot of people that are 
I mean, influenced by social media and by by words, five words. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to reach people with this uh, idea of fighting, uh, having enemies, you know, of having like very simple enemies. So I understand that with social media and all this globalization, having a, 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 an easy enemy, mm -hmm. it pays out, you know, because maybe, maybe you can uh, win elections with this with this uh, yeah, speech. Marketing uh, slogans. Yeah, so it's a big problem. I don't know how to solve it. For me, um, the U.S. has some protections that maybe it helps the U.S. not to, to, to go through the same process as a country of Argentina. For example, one of the big problems that I think, I think that Argentina has and Brazil now is that businessmen and people that know how the system work, at one stage, they decided to close their mouth, you know? Mm -hmm. And they didn't fight for these ideas and they didn't go to the TV or to the social media or whatever. And they didn't uh, took the time of trying to explain why those, those ideas generate uh, poor people all, all over the country, you know? In Brazil, it's different, for example. Argentina, uh, Brazil has a very powerful like a business environment where the business people, they are not uh, afraid of speaking out and telling the people that if you go to a 60 or 70% tax rate, companies are not going to work and, you, you, and yeah. you, are not going, no, you are not going to, to have employment and salaries are going to go out. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, the key is to, I mean, the fight, you are going to have the fight, and we see that fight in the US and in many countries like in, in, in Europe, but you need that some people, maybe in spite of being like a, a small percentage, they need to speak out and they need to fight and to try to put a limit. So that's why I think that maybe countries like the US, where you have a lot of business people, entrepreneurial um, uh, mindset, maybe you can try to mitigate that problem, you know? But you never know. <laughs> well, we'll see. I guess uh, one of the litmus tests will, of course, be the midterm elections yeah. this year in the US and obviously very contentious um, where, you know, there's all kinds of polling on. You can pick whatever poll you want to to tell whatever story you, you, you want about the, those upcoming elections. But I'm wondering just as far as kind of practical advice for people who are in the US or who are in the UK. I was just um, in London a couple of months ago and Right there, you know, it, at the front of every tube station, on the front page of every newspaper is, you know, 11, 12 percent inflation, which I know here would be would be a dream. Um, yeah. <laughs> if there if eventually, you know, I presume it was 7 percent inflation and 17 percent inflation here before it was 70 percent inflation. So if these people are now just, you know, just maybe looking down the barrel of that sometime in the future. Yeah. What advice do you have as far as investments, as far as starting companies, as far as being the kind of entrepreneurs that have a platform to speak out against, you know, the, the mission creep of socialism? Yeah, I think that you have to, to first, you, have, you don't have to trust the, the government and you don't have to trust the banks and you don't have to trust your local currency. I think that in Argentina, we already know that we don't trust our banks, we don't trust our currency, <laughs> and we don't trust the government. But sometimes when I speak with people from developed countries, they even don't think about that, you know? Yeah. Say, oh, my money is in my bank, so it's safe. I have dollars, I have euros, or I have whatever, and, and I'm safe. So that's the first thing that I would say is that uh, be careful because that that was uh, safe for many decades, many, uh, maybe in a couple of years, is not more safe. 
as a matter of fact, if we if you don't if you have dollars and you didn't invest in the last year, you 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 lost nine ten percent of the purchasing power. So the first thing I would say is that you have to 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 be a little bit of a rebel to try to survive. That's why in Argentina and countries like Argentina, cryptocurrencies are so popular. You know mm-hmm. because we we value a lot this decentralized. Uh, Future, you know, the 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 the, the issue, the, the the possibility of no not trusting a centralized uh, entity in order to have uh, more safety. So I would say that that's one of the main main changes that maybe people in in the U.S. in Europe have to do. And there, the other thing is diversify. Uh, from since I created my business, I try I tried not to have all my uh, customers in Argentina, we have customers all over Latin America and Spain, so that gives you a, an edge because if Argentina and Chile, for example, are doing bad, maybe Spain or Mexico are doing better. So you, in my case, I have a more stable company that can balance um, the sales and, and revenues. That's the, the other thing. And then real assets, you know, I mean, I'm not inventing nothing, but I think that real assets, uh, even real estate in Argentina, well, the last couple of years, real estate went up, but uh, the economy went up much, much more than than real estate. So even real estate in, in countries like Argentina uh, can protect you against inflation and uh, against uh, economic mess, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that that's, that's a, a good idea, a good set of tools that you can use to try to survive, you know. I'm I'm wondering if you mentioned uh, working in the bank before uh, in 2002. I'm wondering just as a kind of a a real-time experience, you know, as as far as a warning for people who are perhaps listening to us sitting here, you know, where there is huge inflation and where people don't trust the bank, they don't trust the government, they don't trust uh, their, their politicians. I'm wondering if there are some kind of signposts along the way where people can say, ah, when that happens, we're on the road to ruin. I'm wondering if you could talk us through, for example, what happened in 2002, just as a kind of uh, a cautionary tale for for people who think that, oh, that happens in Argentina, it can't possibly happen in wherever Mm -hmm. I am, Germany or the UK or or, or the US. Well, in the case of Argentina, during the 90s, Argentina, what the, the, the local currency was packed to the dollar. So one Argentinian pesos, peso represented one dollar. So there were a lot of people that uh, uh, deposit Argentinian pesos in the banks, and they thought that that Argentinian pesos represented one dollar. So, for example, they, 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 they put in a saving account 10,000 um, 10, pesos, and they thought uh, that were $10,000. Um, and at the same time, there were a lot of people that were buy, buying houses with uh, borrowing dollars, you know. So they bought a house here in Buenos Aires and they were owning $100,000. Suddenly, the, the, the economy uh, collapsed. Why? Because the, de- the deficit was huge and suddenly... Uh, nobody started to borrow Argentina, no, no, the country, you know. In the past, we used to pay that uh, fiscal deficit with debt from abroad, the US and Europe, and suddenly the debtors from from, from outside decided not to um, uh, give more money to Argentina. So they 
they decided to destroy that pe that pack. So that one peso, one dollar disappeared, and suddenly one peso was, uh, I don't know, uh, no, it was uh, three, three, one three or one four, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and this you, happened overnight or this happened like overnight over, yeah that, so, that's the problem so well, they woke up so just so depositors woke up one night they thought they had ten thousand dollars equivalent and then they discover that when they go to the to the atm in the morning if it's not a bank holiday yeah that they actually only have they still have ten thousand pesos but it's only worth three thousand dollars or two thousand five hundred. Uh, and not only that they couldn't they couldn't take that money out of the of the bank because the problem was that Argentina didn't have dollars, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the reserves went out, I mean, disappeared for paying all this fiscal deficit that the, that the government had. So you only could uh, take the, the equivalent of $200 per week, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was totally mess. Many people like uh, crying. I was in the bank, in the in the branch, in the streets, and people were. We were with the police, like full of police, you know. And people thought that I was stealing the money, you know. I was an, an employee of the bank, but people were angry again against the the banks, and we. It was impossible to 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 take the money. Uh, one of the one of one of the alerts that the people had before this happened was huge fiscal government fiscal deficits. Mm -hmm. Huge uh, money printing, you know, many things. That <laughs> is, I was going to say this is like a checklist of things that are happening yeah. in both where, in, in Europe and in the United States right now. When yeah. you were talking about foreign uh, creditors cutting Argentina off from the the punch bowl, the proverbial punch bowl, so to speak, yeah. you know, we see obviously what's happening in the in around the world today on the geopolitical stage, where countries that have witnessed uh, the weaponization of the U.S. dollar against the state of Russia, for example, yeah. are saying, well, actually, maybe our dollar reserves aren't so safe after all. Maybe we don't want to show up at the next bond auction. Maybe we don't want to extend any more credit uh, here. But so we've got uh, large and persistent fiscal deficits, uh, money printing. Huge. And the other part that was a big alert, I think that you don't have there, you don't have this situation in the US and, and Europe yet, is uh, banks start to pay a lot of money to try to convince the people to let the, the money in the bank. So suddenly the inflation was, I don't know, 5% at that moment, and they started to offer 15, uh, 20%, you know, Chasing. trying to convince people to, to leave the money in their banks. And, and suddenly people were like, um, people were convinced and they, they left the money in the banks, but suddenly they didn't have the money. And from one day, from one day to the, to the other, they, they, they make this big announcement and, and the money disappeared. So I think that those are some of the, the factors that you need to, to take into account. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting too that um, you mentioned before about a kind of financial literacy or an investment yes. literacy. And this obviously is something that had an impression on you when you were young, seeing these, you know, we see people on, on the street, for example, they may be 70 years old, mm -hmm. they had saved for retirement, and this they would have been in their 50s when their retirement savings got cut Absolutely. by three quarters or, yeah. or what have you. So, yeah, yeah it's, let me add something, uh, Joel, regarding the, 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 the another situation of uh, regarding where the big crisis, when the big crisis can explode. There's another item that happened in 2002 in Argentina that I think was very important is that the, the political factor, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the economy can be a mess, but if people trust the economy, if people trust the currency, it can be a mess for many years, you know, maybe decades. But suddenly when there is a big political fight, 
In Argentina, normally happen when the president fights with the vice president and the vice president leaves the government and there's a coalition and that coalition disappeared, you know. Uh, that big political crisis combined with a big uh, imbalance in all the economy with the fiscal deficit and all the, that mess, that provokes the, the inflation. I think that if you have the big uh, pro economy problem but you don't have the political problem, maybe you can do it. But if you have the political problem with the economical problem, and when I see the US and yeah. I see all the mess with <laughs> Trump and when Trump did, decided to fight uh, when he lost the election, you know, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, I remember one year and a half ago, uh, I'm afraid about that because you, the, the trust can be loosed very, very, right. very quickly, you know? Yeah. Uh, and if that, that happens, it's impossible to stop it. Right. I think from, from both sides, it seems, too. Uh, we, you know, obviously, you've spent a lot of time in the U.S., and mm -hmm. uh, I, my wife has family in the U.S., so we usually spend a month or two there every year. And I, I don't think, in my having visited the country for 20-odd years, this last, uh, this last visit this summer, I said to my wife, I don't think I've seen the country as divided yeah. as it has been. So, so this is perhaps another warning sign along the, uh, along the road. Okay, uh, Fede, we're bumping up against our, uh, our half hour mark here for, for today's show. But for our readers, listeners and viewers who uh, maybe want to get a bit more of your insight, they want to follow you. I know you've I just checked. You've up to almost a quarter of a million uh, followers on your uh, Ferreteso show. YouTube, so yeah. readers should check that out on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Um, but where else can we find your your work? And well, your, I, oh. I have a newsletter in Substack also mm -hmm. um, by my name or, or Pasaporte Inversor. It's like investor passport where I speak about investments in Argentina and all over the world. And, and the social media, Twitter, Instagram, all the social media. Excellent. All right. I'm going to put links to all this stuff uh, down below. And um, Fede, just before we, we uh, say good, goodbye here, uh, despite all of the, uh, we've painted kind of a negative picture here, but you're a man who has opened businesses all around Latin America over in Spain, as you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. Any opportunities for uh, American or European investors that are kind of sifting through um, the, the markets down here in, in Latin America that have piqued your interest of late? Yeah, well, I have been very negative about Argentina for many, many years, but now I'm changing. I think that it's a huge opportunity here in Argentina uh, regarding real estate and stocks. If you compare the value of the Argentinian stocks, not with uh, American or European companies, but if you compare banks, the value of banks in Argentina with the value of banks in Chile or Brazil or Colombia, uh, the price of Argentinian banks, it's like 25% of a similar bank in another Latin American country. It makes sense because car actually the currency, the, sorry, the, the country is a mess. Mm -hmm. But I think that next year we have elections here in Argentina and it will be very difficult not to have a very big change in the political landscape. And I think that a more a more market-friendly government is going to come. I'm not saying that Argentina is going to transform suddenly at Switzerland, you know, sure. but I think that we can be a more Latin American company, uh, uh, Latin American uh, country. So if that happens, if the government changes, I think that stocks are going to go up very, very quickly. And also real estate. I think that real estate in, in Buenos Aires, for example, lost 30% of the value during the last couple of years. And at that moment, real estate in the US increased 100%. 
percent or 150 percent. Some so the the differential I think that is big. Uh, so uh, I think that you might have a, a good opportunity. It's not a short term opportunity right. because I think that this could this uh, increase in prices could happen at the end of next year or at the beginning of 2024. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that you have a, a period of time for the next six months, ten months that uh, there there are going to be uh, great opportunities in in Argentina. Um, and also living in Argentina, well, you know, it's very, it's very nice, and now it's very cheap. So you can eat and drink very well for for a very few dollars. So exactly. it's, a, it's a good good idea to have some time here in Buenos Aires. All right. Well, we're going to track those opportunities uh, down here with you, Fede, for uh, over the next couple of months, couple of years. The, the elections here, I think, are in October, November. In uh, December of uh, October of two thousand and twenty-three. And the president uh, starts the term in December, but it's October, yeah. December. Okay, well, let's follow that along. I'd love to have you back on the show. We'll keep up to date with uh, with how we're going here. And um, tune in again, please, uh, and go and check out our Substack, bonapriveresearch.substack.com. We'll have Fede on, uh, Fede on again as soon as we can. And uh, tune in again next week. Thanks very much.